be kicking off a new series called Changing My World. Changing My World. We are here to change the world. Amen? The only alternative is that the world changes you. The only alternative is that the world changes you. Do not be conformed to this world. That means become like what's around you, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Notice that before you can transform the world, you have to transform your life. So we're talking about changing my world. Because my influence, my testimony, who God has called me to be and what he's given me an assignment to do in this world hinges on what happens inside of me. What happens in me? What happens in my life? And before I can change the world, I have to change my world. Before I can reach the world, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? Go ye into all the what? World. Into all the world, not some of the world, all the world. And I know that sounds like a daunting task. I know that sounds like how can I literally go into all the world? Well, when you go into your world and we each go into our spheres of influence that God has called us to, then we end up reaching the world. We can't reach Africa before we reach our own backyard. We can't be having distant projections of, of what God is going to do and, 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 and what God can use me for uh, in, in different scenarios. But until I focus on my world, until I focus on what's going in in my home, my place of business. So come on, I want you to start looking at every entity and every sphere of influence that God has you in differently. Differently, because that's what God's called us to do. And so we see here in Matthew chapter 9 and speaking uh, from verse 35 in the New Living, it reads this way. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. The New King James says teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So we see that that this is usually what we label as ministry. The teaching and preaching of the word and the healing or ministering to people's struggles or issues here. It's, it's specifically talking about physical ailments, healings in people's bodies. And this is usually what we reduce ministry to. And I say reduce because this isn't all ministry. This isn't all what ministry is. And if we're not careful, we will reduce the work of the church to what we're doing right now. And that would be a grave danger. That would be a a grave danger for the church, especially in the last days, to reduce personal responsibility to the pastor's responsibility. Yeah, I said that. Ephesians chapter 4 says that the fivefold gifts of the ministry, uh, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, uh, and uh, evangelists, are given for the equipping of the saints. It tells me that the primary focus, that doesn't mean I don't have a personal witness and a personal testimony and a, and a personal responsibility to share my faith, but my role in the church is to equip you to share yours. 
So what a danger that it would be that the pastors are the only ones teaching and preaching and, and ministering to people's needs is what I'm saying. That would be a danger in the last days. And if you don't believe that, then you're in the wrong church. Because I'm not here to do all your work for you. I'm here to equip you, train you, minister to you, teach you, preach. And yes, we'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And yes, we will minister to people's needs. We did that last Sunday, right down here on the front. People being ministered, touched by God through his body, through Christ. Because the Bible tells us when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one suffers, we all suffer. That's the, that's the responsibility we have to one another. But if we leave this place every Sunday thinking, yeah, great word, Pastor Martin. Can't wait to do it again next Sunday. And then we miss what happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and, yes, even Saturday. If we miss the six days in between, then we are not doing the work of the church as assigned by God himself. I heard a pastor say one time that if Jesus came to church today, we'd have to teach him how we do it. Not that we're doing anything incorrect. We're doing the purpose of the kingdom and what God has called us to do. But there's elements that we have to make sure are in place. Personal responsibility. So he, he does the teaching, the preaching, uh, the, the, the ministering and healing uh, diseases and illness. But when he saw the crowds, after he did all that wonderful stuff, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused. Do you know that people could be taught and receive preaching, good preaching from the word of God? I mean, Jesus is the word of God. And still be confused. That's interesting. He heals every kind of disease and illness. I mean, not one person is left sick in their bodies, but he says, but they're helpless. Helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Without a shepherd. So he turns to his disciples. The harvest is great, he says. But the workers, the workers, yeah, this is work. You know, the kingdom of God is work. The workers are few. He's, if, if we were just to get saved and born again, to just be ushered out of here and, and to go on to heaven, then we're missing the work, the ministry that we've been assigned to do. I mean, if that were the case, when we baptized you, we might as well just held you under the water until you passed on to heaven. We have a sign-up sheet for baptism after service. If... I mean, if that's the case, if we're just useless little pawns in the earth, Waiting until the arrival of the, the soon and coming king. Behold, I come to you quickly. Well, not so quick, Jesus. It's been about 2,000 years since you departed the earth. Don't you see all the struggle and the problem that's going on? What are you going to do about it? Why haven't we gone home yet? Why haven't you uprooted us out of this earth, this, this thing that's keeping us bound and, and causing me to sin and causing me to live in all this temptation, and all this struggle and all these issues when I, I've been born again and I've been saved to live in heaven, to walk around on gold streets and, and live in my little, my little mansion in heaven. 
Right down the road from Jesus, I can just trot on down to his house anytime I want. Hey, can Jesus come out to play today? Living with living with God. Such a broken mentality. Such a broken mindset. Such a weak way to live when we are the most empowered thing on this planet. Do you know that? Did you know that? You might not have, but you do. You have power. You have dominion. I said you have authority. We're in the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God. I belong to his government. That means he's got a health care plan for me with a zero dollar copay. Imagine that. He's got an economic structure that will never fail. Never fail. It doesn't go up and down. Because my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I want to see believers stop talking about money. I really do. Because mostly the context that they talk about it is trying to get more of it. We, 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 we should be living so blessed and so prosperous that we don't even have to think about it. We don't have to think about writing the check. And we don't have to think about checking my wallet to see if it's even in there. I, I don't even have to. It shouldn't even be a thought in my mind. I should not be bound to the financial, financial institution of this earth so much that I can't even obey when God says to do something with finances. Because it doesn't belong to me anyways. It belongs to him. It, it belongs to him. It benefits God when I'm living blessed. He's the one that he's the one that gets benefited. Why? Because his kingdom is advancing. That's how I want to live. God says, bless that person with one hundred dollars. And I don't have to think, is that still in there? Oh, that check hasn't come out yet. And I got this coming up this week that you just do it. Obediently. That's how we ought to live. That's the kingdom of God. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers, workers, what are you talking about, Jesus? The workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest harvest, and ask him to send more workers into his fields. So we talked about last week that we are those workers. We are those workers. He says to pray. But we have the responsibility to be working the ministry of the kingdom, to be sharing our faith. And I'm not talking about sharing our faith like, hi, how are you? Uh, Are you a Christian? Are you born again? I'm a Christian. Do you know Jesus? I'm talking about sharing your faith in demonstration. That's what I'm talking about. Meeting needs. The world hears enough Christians talk. They got pl- we got plenty of that today. And even so-called Christians. You know, we have, we have rogue Christians. We have people that call themselves Christians but aren't really Christians. We have, that, that, that's part of Christianity. Now, it's, that, that's something else that we have to defend against. Paul uh, had to defend against it. And Peter had to defend against those that called themselves believers or uh, that they were in the faith but really were not. 
So no longer am I having to just fight the enemy. Now I'm having to fight those in my own party. And, and energy that I should be, you, I mean, have y'all noticed this? That, that energy that we should be using to fight the enemy, we use on each other. And then we wonder why we're so wore out when the enemy attacks us. We, 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 we dispose of all the energy that God has called us to, to take on the enemy and to fight against the, 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 the supernatural principalities of, of this world, of this age. And then when, when, when an attack comes against us, we don't have anything left to, in, in the reserve, in the tank, to fight against that obstacle because I've spent all my time fighting my brother and my sister. Right? Because the enemy knows that a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And so it's discouraging to see the faith being weakened in in a day and age where we should be stronger than ever. To see brothers and sisters arguing, we look for points of contention. We look for it. We, 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 we desire and we hunger to be better than someone else and to walk in pride. But what, what am I saying? I'm saying that, that how in the world are we going to be laborers? In, to, uh, there is a world dying and going to hell, and we are arguing about the dumbest thing. Go with me to Matthew chapter 21. I'm not meaning to harp, and I'm not meaning to just stay on a negative because I believe there's too much positive to focus on. But I'm just encouraging. Let, let's not be that church. Let's not. We live in a world of opinions and persuasions. And we say things like, I'm entitled to my own opinion while not deserving or, you know, allowing that right in someone else. Because when we say we're entitled to our own opinion, we're really saying my opinion is king and you are entitled to my opinion just like I'm entitled to my opinion. And we share our opinion with people that never asked. That's great. I didn't ask. When I made the post or when I put the picture, I didn't ask what you thought about it. If I wanted to know your thoughts, I would have said, what do you think about this picture? Or about this post? I didn't finish it at the end. Open. But, you know, we live in a comment world, right? We can comment on anything. It's accessible. Comment and share our thoughts and our opinions Number one, before you share an opinion, number one, does it align with the Bible? That's, that's the most important thing. That's the most. If your opinion doesn't align with the word, then guess what? You have found a level of preference that you think everyone should reduce their lives to your preference or your way of doing things. But it doesn't even align with the word of God. Number two, if you're going to share your opinion, does it add value and solve a problem? 
Does it add value or solve? Does it present a solution or does it just harp on the problem? And number three, did they ask for it? (laughs) I think that would be a good question to ask this week before we, we get our thumbs moving like crazy on our devices. And we start sharing our brain without any kind of filter. I just think those would, would, that, that would be good. <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 21. That's my message on opinions. Amen. Opinions. Opinions. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus is nearing... The end of his ministry here. And um, he's, he's starting to get a little more vocal with a certain group that has opposed and oppressed him about the entirety of his ministry. They follow him around to attack him. They try to uh, sound knowledgeable by asking him questions only with the desire to trap him. Uh, and, and this group runs around. Uh, desiring and hungering the praise of people. And they are so prideful that they can't even see that the words that they are telling someone else they should do, they aren't even following themselves. Uh, This group of people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, uh, uh, have so misconstrued who Jesus is and have have completely missed the very one that they were waiting and believing that God would one day send, uh, that their eyes are so blinded to anything and everything that Jesus does. And so rather than seeing Jesus heal us, heal somebody, they take a look at, okay, what day is it? And are we supposed to be doing that in here? And, and what caused this person to even be sick like this? Did his mother, did his father sick? And they're analyzing everything else without even realizing that they are so close to the, to the one that got sent, but yet at the same time so far away. Polar opposites. That I could literally be rubbing shoulders with the word of God, the king, Jesus himself, but yet halfway around the world. So now he's starting to get a little more vocal with this crew. And if you ever um, just want to have a fun time reading um, how Jesus tore these guys up, uh, you can read Matthew chapter 23. But Matthew chapter 21, he gives a parable here in verse 28. He says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. Great response. That's what I love to hear my son say. Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. The Legos were still on the floor in the living room, even though I've repeatedly asked. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God 
before you do. For John the Baptist came and he showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. And while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. He's identifying the the lifestyle of a hypocrite. He's identifying what it looks like to say one thing and do another. In fact, Jesus even told them in a couple chapters later, he said, the things that they tell you to do, do them. But what they actually do, don't do what they tell you to do. Don't do what they do. Don't follow their works. Don't follow what they're telling you to do. Yes, they're spot on. But the problem is, is that they tell you one thing, but live a different life behind that. He's talking about hypocrites. He's talking about a hypocritical mindset, a hypocritical, hypocritical lifestyle. And this is the thing about hypocrites. A hypocrite never intends to be who he pretends to be. I said a hypocrite never intends to be who he pretends to be. These individuals never had any intention. I was at a conference this past week and a minister spoke and he said that there's four different types of potential likability in ministry. You can take this from Jesus' ministry. He said 25% of people will never like you. There was a group that they were never going to like Jesus. 25% will say they like you, but could be persuaded not to like you. And 25% say they don't like you, but could be persuaded to like you. And then 25% will always like you. And in Jesus' ministry, you see all four reflected. This was the group that would never like him. This is the group that, that never had any interest, never, never had any intention to be turned and to be changed by Jesus. And this is the thing. This is exactly who Jesus is talking about. He even told another parable one time and he said that, that Jesus leaves the 99 and he'll go after the one. Leaves the 99 and the 99 were the Pharisees. He's showing by a very real contrast who God and himself, Jesus, is going after. He's not even referring to his own ministry. He's referring to the ministry of John the Baptist. And he says, John the Baptist came. And that was really, that was the last of the last prophets. He was the last one. Because they, they killed and they murdered and they slaughtered. All the prophets up to them. He talks about that. He says, woe to you in Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you. Prophets would come in. The voice, the mouthpiece of God, the very mouthpiece of God would come in, share what God was saying, share what God was doing. Prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jonah. All these individuals that were sent by God to minister to his people. And one by one, they take them out. 
John the Baptist ended up having his head taken off. And there were people that followed. And it wasn't who you would think. The prostitutes and the harlots and the tax collectors and all the people that were evil. These were the people that were filling the church of this day. These were the ones that believed in God and would repent from their sins. We had Pharisees also, Pharisees that heard the same word. Heard the the same message, but had a different response. How are we going to change the world if we don't have a response to the word of God? An accurate response to the word of God. I think sometimes that, you know, I've, I've been in church all my life. I'm 35, so I've been in church 35 years and nine months. I mean, I was born in church. Not literally in a church. I was born in a hospital, but very quickly after that, that's, that's all I've ever known. That's all I've ever seen. And I have a hunger now more than ever to see the church change the world. And what I think becomes dangerous is over time we we build up ideologies and theologies and ideas. We call them denominations, but really the word that we ought to use is preference. A preference of how we sing and a, and a preference of who comes to our church and who doesn't and a preference of what time our services are and a preferences of what the leadership looks like. And it's all preference. That's all it is. You, you, you recognize there's no denomination on this planet that is God-ordained, that God set up. Every single one, all 300 and something of them. And that's just Christianity. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking denominations. That's 360-something different ways of reading this one book. That's what that means. That's not what's going to get anybody to heaven. And more importantly, that's not what brings heaven to earth. Our circles and our gatherings and I'm, I'm thankful for the people, the ministers that I grew up around. I'm so thankful for the rich word. I, I have a rich legacy and a rich inheritance of the word of God. But I never want to make their word the word. All those people could do, all that the Kenneth Copelands and the Kenneth Hagans and the Bill Winstons and the, the, the Benny Hens and whoever else, all that they could ever do is point you to this word. They are not king. They came into this world and they will depart from this world the same way they came in. We will all return to dust if, if we are not taken up uh, when Jesus returns. It's not that they are not more triumphant than the word of God. And you need to get around people that will take you to the word of God and teach you the real, the rich word of God. I tell people all the time, if you aren't in a church that's preaching the word, you need to find a church that's preaching the word. And I happen to know one. And that's nothing on me. But you've got to get around somebody that values this for what it is. I brought out my, my big Bible today. This is, this is 
my big Bible. It's got so much stuff in here that God has showed me. I said, God has showed me. Regardless of who the mouthpiece was, God showed me. And I'm thankful for the vessel and I'm thankful for the mouthpiece. I I mean, I, I tell people all the time and I got this from my pastor, Pastor Earl. He would tell people all the time, don't believe the word because I said it. I didn't make it up. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you receive it, whether you don't. It's not on me. You can't you can't go to the devil uh, uh, when he's bombarding your body with Pastor Mark said that we could be healed. Pastor Mark said that, that you know, by his strife, tr- try that out. See what happens. Didn't work out real good for a group in Acts. That's no, the word of God. And so whatever level you come in today, whether you've been in church all your life, whether it's something that you value and, and you, you honor and you're studying it and you're in it today. Uh, there's other ministers of the word in this room today. There are others that are literally ministering the word, operating in, in, in gifts of ministry. And whatever level that we're in today, it's all got to come back down to obedience. It's all got to come back down to See, my honor of the word is revealed in my application of it. How in the world can I say I honor the word and I don't live it? Matthew chapter 7 talks about this. Come on, what world are we we expecting to change? You can't change the world if the word doesn't change you. That's why we're talking about changing my world. I know everybody wants to change the world. And it's probably the greatest hunger and the greatest passion inside everybody on this planet is to know my purpose. Everybody wants to have purpose. Everybody wants to have a reason for existence. And and even people that don't honor God, they want to know, why am I here? Everybody wants to know the answer to the question, why? Purpose always answers the question, why? Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If I don't know my purpose, then I'll abuse my, I'll live for the wrong thing because I don't know why I'm here. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So everybody has this hunger. Everybody has this desire and everybody wants to change the world. But changing the world at the neglect of changing your world is dangerous. In Matthew chapter 7, beware of false prophets. They're prophets, they're just false. Who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. He goes on to say, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. He said, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Here we go. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. The teaching, the preaching, the laying hands on the sick. So we can't reduce ministry to miracles. Miracles is not ministry. It's an element of. But miracles is just a small aspect of the ministry. Sometimes we miss the ministry for the miracle. We miss the ministry for the miracle. We, we are looking for the miraculous. And we miss him in the monotonous. We're looking for the big, great thing. And it's the small acts of, the, of obedience. Last week we talked about seeds of significance. It starts as a seed. Not, you're not going to get a, 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 a healing evangelist ministry if you can't pray for the person in aisle 22 at Walmart. You want to have a tent meeting, you want to be up on a stage, you want to have a row of people and you want to just lay hands and they start passing out, falling under the power, get up and they're dancing, they're singing, they're shouting and, and you know, God's doing great miracles. But then God tells you to talk to, uh, uh, to, to Brenda in aisle 22 with, with a two year old child screaming and crying and she's walking with the cane and, and you can tell she's barely making it through. And we, we pass that up. We pass up the monotonous to get to the miraculous. It doesn't work. You want to cast out demons and you want to lay hands on the sick. All things that he told us we would do, didn't he? He said we would do those things. He said we would do those things. But a, a, a false prophet? Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, only those who will actually do. And so he goes on to say, but I will reply. I never knew you. And that, that word knew is, is an intimate knowing. It's, it's the new that they use to identify a marriage, uh, a, a husband-wife relationship in the Old Testament, that he would know her. Yeah, intimately. That would be embarrassing to get to heaven. Stand before Jesus and he says, who are you? Who are you? I never knew you. He says, get away from me, you who break God's laws. And so he goes on again to contrast. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes in torrents and the flood flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse, but it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is a foolish, is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse 
with a mighty crash. Contrast. You got the one that says, yes, Lord, I'll do it. and never does. And you got the one that says, no, I don't want anything to do with that, but end up, uh, ends up doing it. You've got the one that hears the word, builds his house on sand. He heard the word. You notice they both heard and they both had storms. Identical scenarios. It's a contrast. He's talking about who's going to change the world. He, he looks. Notice he didn't go to the Pharisees and said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because they're not invested. They're not invested in the ministry. They're not invested in laboring. They're, they're taskmasters. They're not invested in actually getting involved and getting down and dirty with, with the people that God has called us to redeem and God has called us to save. And this is what I'm saying. is, is it, it provides a different approach to life. It provides a different approach to walking through Target. It provides a different... The next time you get a, a, a horrible waitress or waiter... It provides a different perspective. So rather than complaining over your meal that's going to be here today and gone the next, why can't you reach out and have a heart for the person that's bringing you the food? Because they're probably having a bad day and they're probably having a bad life. And you could be the very one that God is sending to minister to that person. This has got to change. This is not working. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Not impressed with this if we don't take it with us. Take it with us into the highways and the byways, into Cheddar's and into Academy and into Walmart and into Target and, 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 and into your lives, into your kids' games. Getting mad and upset at a ref. We laugh, but I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. Do you need some glasses, Blue? What's going on? You need some help out there? The, 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 hey, my kid is not going to be a soccer pro. In fact, I told him, you're not playing this game anymore. I'm, I'm done watching you run out there and struggle and... Do what you do, man. Go, go do something that you're good at. <clears throat> and my wife gets on to me. No, you need to encourage him. Encourage him to quit soccer and play more baseball. This is ridiculous. Come over on the sideline, winded. Man, you're struggling out there. You don't okay? No, I'm loving it. I'm having a great time. You haven't kicked the ball once. They're not even kicking it to you. I love him. I sure do. I'm not going to watch him. He has a great time. And, and that's what it's all about, right? Just let them have fun. No, you guys are losing. I know they ain't keeping score, but I'm keeping score. And you are not getting a snack and a, and a fruit punch after this game. We got to go work on some stuff. Not even that good. And yet I'm going to get all upset and forget the whole reason why I'm even out there. I, I know it's a different perspective and I'm not I, I, I'm not harping. I, I'm not I'm not coming across. I don't want to come across as, you know, fed up and just. But we've got to change, guys. We've got to. 
And if this is all the the sphere of influence that God ever gives me, I've got to manage this well. And I've got to tell you today that we've got to do better. If you can't hold your tongue, don't have the conversation. I'm serious. If you can't refrain from pulling it up, delete the app. (gasps) Delete Facebook? It's so funny every time I talk to people about Facebook. Oh, but if I get rid of it, you know, then my kids won't be, you know, my parents won't be able to see the pictures of the kids. And I'm really, well, I won't be able to talk to so and so. Okay, now now we've really degraded. I was listening to something this past weekend that uh, it was they were pretending that they were on a flight, and they said you're you know you're. you're Wireless capability is now available, and, you know, feel free to pull up your Twitter or your Facebook or your Instagram or whatever it is. And then they said, but if you're feeling really brave today, you could actually have a conversation with the person next to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What am I saying? I'm saying we've got to have a different perspective. I see people that say they want to change the world. But we miss every moment that we have to change the world. We overlook it. I want to fly to Europe. You don't have to fly. It's actually a lot more inexpensive than that. It could cost you a meal. To have a meal with someone. And to actually buy their meal. What's that doing? Building relationship. Building trust. Hey, I just want to take you out to lunch today. Hey, you mind if I get your groceries? It's 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 the kingdom way. Changing my world. I, the the people that are changing the world first changed their world. They allowed God to work right here. Right here. Before I judge and criticize and what's what's going on, even if I know it's blatant sin and it's just completely wrong, God, what, what are you what are you showing me? And you know what else I found out is that when we do see people in sin, and when we do see people fail, and we do see people struggle, the Word of God never condones condemning, accusing, and judging. But it always condones healing and restoring. So I wonder if our approach to people's struggles is even creating an environment conducive for health and healing. Even creating an environment where you could help them with that struggle. But maybe our presentation is so lacking tact. And, and so lacking the love of God, ultimately. Y'all getting, are you getting this? Is this, I feel like I need to pull up a chair and just have a conversation because, uh, you know, that, that's just how I feel today. I want to see the world change just as much as you. And I, and I haven't been perfect at it. I can tell you right now. 
that I've yelled at umpires and I've yelled at referees and, and, and I've gotten upset with waitresses and waiters. I sure have. I can tell you right now, I'm not always patient with my son. I can tell you right now that I miss opportunities in my own house to walk in the love of God and to be the man of God that God's called me to be. I can promise you that I have right now, and I'm standing transparent before you today, telling you that I've got to change my world before I can change the world. Even about ministers, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote that we are to first look after our house before we, if we don't look after our house, how can we look after God's house? There are four, four types of people that cannot be helped. Four types of people that cannot be helped. And I'm identifying these four because I don't want us to be any of these four. Because to change the world, I've got to change my world. I want to create an environment that welcomes correction. And welcomes accountability. I do. Number one, you can't help people that don't know they need help. They don't even know. I don't need your help. I don't need help. Can you see my bumper sticker? We talked about it in the Winning Within series. Full notebooks, but empty lives. Can't help people that don't know that they need help. Number two, you can't help people that don't want help. Ever tried helping someone that doesn't want any help? You ever tried reaching out to someone that doesn't want to be reached out to? That's tough. And, and, and the thing usually is they're one decision away from turning everything around. That's all. One tweak. Can't help people that don't know they need help and don't want help. Number three, you can't help people that only want help their way. On their terms. And the thing I've found is when I really needed help, my terms didn't work. I need someone to kind of hold me to the grind a little bit. I needed someone else to, to speak up and to be able to give that direction because, you know, when, when I need help, I don't really know how I need help. I need some outside influence. And then number four, you can't help people that won't help themselves. I'll meet you halfway. You've got to put in some effort. You've got to show me you really want this. You've got to show me that this is something you value. You've got to show me that, that the change that you recognize and realize you need in your life, you're willing to make the steps because I can't, I can't go all the way for you. You realize the cross was just a halfway point, right? Jesus couldn't go the whole way for us. He said, I'll meet you halfway. I'll go to the cross. And I lay, and that was a lot of halfway, right? He went pretty far for only going half, laid down his life, sacrificed who he was. But guess what? You still have to come to him. And you can come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. 
You can come as you are. This is the place right here. You can come as you are. You can come as you are. And I don't care what it looks like on the outside. Because God is after what's on the inside. God's after what's on the inside. God's not concerned with the outside. The outside will change as the inside, right? You'll be identified by your fruit. Well, how do you get fruits? You got to first have roots. We've talked about it before. Jesus isn't into behavior modification. Just get the right fruit on the outside, stapling apples to apple trees. But you never get the right root. Let's put some roots down. Worship team, if you come. I know this was a little more dry. I know it was a little more direct. But I, I'm, we're talking about changing the world, guys. This is the last days. Does anybody believe that anymore? I think we've heard that so much that we've just like, ah, whatever. I don't know about you, but it's closer today than it was yesterday. Yeah. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I want to be the difference. I want to be the difference. I thank God for the body of Christ. I thank God for services like last week. When we got to minister to some of our own. We got to recognize that, man, we've got struggles, challenges. And I'm not saying we ever really get past that. The kingdom of God is full of struggles, full of challenges. But at some point, we've got to reverse it and be in a place where we can help others through their struggles. Develop a little maturity. Develop some authenticity. Not in a prideful way. Saying, look, man, we got to come out of this. We're better than this. You're bigger than this. That's how we change the world. Because we get our stuff together. We let his blood cleanse us. We let his blood, his blood make us free. And, and let me tell you something right now. When you come into the kingdom of God, you, not, you are not a sinner saved by grace. You better get that terminology out of your mouth and out of your mind. You're not a sinner. You're not a sinner. I said, you're not a sinner. You're not a sinner. Sinners sin. They practice lawlessness. They practice sin. But you've been redeemed and bought by the blood of Christ. You have been made new. You are a new creature in Christ I'm seeing the hands go up because you know I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now here's what I got to do. I've got to introduce my mind to my spirit. Because who I think I am, I no longer am. 
so now I got to teach my mind because your spirit is saved. Your body can never be saved, but your mind is getting saved. It's in the process renewing the mind, renewing the mind. So I put off things of the flesh and I can bark like a dog, but it doesn't make me a dog. And just because you sin doesn't mean you're identified by sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He sees me as His righteous Son. He sees me as made new. And the old does not hold me down. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You're saved by grace. Now you're a believer. Now you're in the brethren. Now you're in the house of God. Now you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And we don't we don't break his laws anymore. And every time a law pops up that says, that's not what we do here, I put it down. I don't do that anymore. And I don't argue about it. And I don't try to well, you know, try to stay as close to the edge. Oh, and you know some people that are barely saved. Doesn't take much to. And then you mature even past that. And then you even flee the appearance of evil. Man, I don't even care if people think, I don't care if it's actually a sin or not. If it looks like sin, or it could be thought that it looks like sin, or if it could cause me to be fallen, then I ain't even doing it. I don't even want any part of it. Come on. That's, that's spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. place today, if you're in this place today and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, now I got to give a disclaimer, because we probably all heard altar calls or calls to salvation, but I'm asking if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, that's what I'm asking, and when Jesus is Lord, that means he's owner. He owns it all. And the Bible says to confess Jesus as Lord, Romans chapter 10. Well, a confession isn't just something you say with your mouth. It's a commitment. That word confession, back then, a man's word meant a lot more than it does today. And the word confess means to come into a verbal contract. A contractual agreement. That's what confess means. So if you have not confessed or made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to have that opportunity today. Because you need to know that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And again, this is the safest place you can ever make that confession. If you can't confess Jesus as Lord in the in the uh, uh, in a room full of saints, how in the world are you ever going to confess them out there? 
So if you have not had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, just put your hand in the air right now. Right now. All across this room. Well, everybody's looking. Yeah. Because we can't wait to celebrate with you. That you're coming into the kingdom. How awesome. Why would we want to miss that by going like this? Did, did anybody come down? Anybody? We can't wait to hug you. We can't wait to celebrate it. We can't wait to... to, to, to okay, everybody's good. Everybody's made Jesus the Lord of their life. Awesome. So guess what? Now you can lead someone else to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Isn't that awesome how that works? Be fruitful and multiply. You come into the kingdom and then you share your faith and then you help others get into the kingdom. We were with the pastor just this week and he said that he couldn't believe how uncomfortable his church got when he told them to practice sharing their faith with each other. I'm not going to make you do that today. should come automatically. You you don't know Jesus? I can't wait to tell you about Jesus. I can't wait to tell you about what he's done for us and what's in store for us. You need to receive Jesus as your Lord. That's changing my world. That's changing my world. What if we led someone to Jesus once a month. Oh, that's the job of the evangelist. They're, they're those outgoing, outspoken. No, 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 no. No. Everybody leading someone to new life in Christ. And then you say, you gotta get you gotta get a part of a local church. You gotta you gotta become a part of the family. You gotta get connected. You gotta get baptized in water. You're you're letting go of the old and you're coming up. Is this boring anybody? Are, are we all so mature and, and so far down the road that we don't have a hurt and, and, and a burning and a passion for those that don't know Jesus? Man. We need to know Him and we need to share Him. Once a, once a month. Once a week. Once a week. One person. Between now and next Sunday, one person that you've talked to and says, man, you know Jesus. I don't have time for it. Yeah, you do. You do. Delete the Facebook app and you'll find out you got a lot of time for stuff. Yeah. Let's not miss the moments of significance. Significant moments in the cubicle. Significant moments in my house. Significant moments. God revealed to us significant moments.